Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Bible Prophecy for today. My name is Heather. Welcome to this episode. I'm going to give you some headlines today that you won't hear in the mainstream media. So if you've never um, listened to my program before, I give you news and views from a West Texans biblical point of view. And so... And sometimes uh, these headlines may or may not lead to uh, Bible prophecy or things leading up to Bible prophecy or surrounding that. But if they do, I'm going to let you know. And we do have one today that may actually um, lead up to Bible prophecy. So we're going to talk about that today. So today is January the 3rd. And if you are following along with the Bible reading program, uh, whichever one you choose, we will be reading up to Genesis chapter 9. Today we're reading three chapters a day. So January 1st is three, the second was six, and today is chapter 9. And if you're following along with the 10 month, four month plan, you will be reading two chapters um, every month. Uh, I'm sorry, every day uh, in the New Testament as well. So that's Matthew 2, 4, and 6 today. So, anywho, folks, we will get on with some headlines. Y'all hold me to this Bible reading thing, okay, guys? You got to hold me to it. Every year I start to do it, and I don't. I never do it. I just never do. You know, you get to the Leviticus, and then it just gets harder and harder. And so we're going to work through that this year. (laughs) Okay. So, number, we're going to, I'm getting my headlines today from Rapture Ready End Times News. You can go to raptureready.com and find out all this stuff. They have headlines, daily RSS feeds, fantastic stuff. So, anywho, today, so Rabbi uh, Glick, which is Ben Gvir, ascending to Temple Mount, may bring Zechariah's prophecy. Let me talk about that. And, of course, there's an analysis between Jewish's Gog and Magog versus the Christian Gog and Magog. We'll talk a little bit about that. And Britain to officially designate the IRGC a terrorist organization. We will learn about that today here in the United States. We're probably not very familiar with that at all, and I'm not. Uh, So we're going to learn about that today. Humanity is not sustainable. Network airs apocalyptic predictions to ring in the new year. I don't know if you guys watched this, but I did, and I just couldn't believe it. And I was like, oh my gosh, they are absolutely going full-blown with this idiocracy. Which, I'm sorry, it's the Satan's plan. It's the beast. It's the beast plan for the world. And guys, if you're not a Christian, you're going to get sucked right into it. Because you know that Holy Spirit to tell you discernment. So, anyway, pay attention, folks, to the world. Anyway, persecuted into extinction, the fate of Christianity in Bethlehem. Series of attacks targeted Christians and Christian sites in the Bethlehem area. Has many faith leaders deeply concerned the persecution is threatening the existence of the oldest Christian community in the world? Other news. How did electric vehicles handle America's Arctic blast? More Americans are also learning that frigid temperatures affects EVs differently than internal combustion engines vehicles <laughs> chiefly by cutting into their driving range to a greater extent while a typical uh, internal combustion engine or gasoline or diesel engine vehicle might have its range reduced by maybe 15 to 25 percent in below freezing temperatures an ev's range will be slashed 20 percent to 50 percent depending upon driving speed temperature and interior climate preferences so if you want to stay warm during your um, commute you may not make it to your destination if you're driving an ev in cold weather Mm, you know they thought about this stuff you'd hope that they did but then again probably not chinese aircraft carrier nears u.s territory in guam 
a Chinese aircraft carrier, Leo Leoning. Might have no idea if I pronounced that right. Probably not. You know, like I always tell you, just a Texas girl. Anyway, made a rare approach to the U.S. island territory of Guam in what a Chinese newspaper interpreted as a warning to the U.S. over Taiwan. The Liaoning, whatever it is, and its escorting vessels have been conducting drills in the West Pacific since mid-December. When Japan announced its new security strategy that named China as an unprecedented, quote, strategic challenge, unquote. What is America doing? Absolutely nothing. We have bumbling Biden. Oh, Biden. Because he's just the successor of the Obama. Because, you know, Obama's probably really running the whole show. Actually, Obama's not. We all know there's some puppet masters up there pulling the strings, you know, the World Economic Forum, these elitists, you know, they're all running behind the scenes and nefarious evil folk. Anyway, uh, living Nostradamus warns Antichrist will return in 2023 to mark the beginning of the end. <laughs> yeah, folks. So Moscow says Ukrainian rocket strike kills 63 Russian troops. That is still going on. And uh, going on more, we have the Kabbalist dismisses gloomy doomsday clock. The clock is currently set to 23.58.20, 100 seconds away from doomsday. The closest it has ever been to midnight since its inception in 1947. And while the scientists warn that global threats have increased, one rabbi Kabbalist dismissed the scientific evaluation, explaining that until God's mercy ends, the world cannot end, no matter what men do. Established by scientists, the bulletin touted technology as the potential savior of mankind from the threats that had originated from technology. Misinformation on the internet and artificial intelligence were listed as threats to mankind. The bulletin also listed the overturning of Roe vs. Wade as an existential threat to humanity. Wait, what? <laughs> That's a threat to humanity? By saving unborn children? Hmm. Then you kind of get an idea of who's really behind that clock, right? It's all nefarious, folks. It's all nefarious. And, uh, you know, they're talking about all this good stuff. And I, I like that. Mankind from the threats that originated from technology. Misinformation on the internet was on there. Folks, the only misinformation on the internet are those telling you that's misinformation. The truth is out there, but we are labeled misinformationists. We're alarmists. Um haters bigots racist that's what we're all called but then again all we're doing is telling you guys the truth look at what happened to oh um oh what's his name kirk let me find my phone here ah uh, i usually don't bring my phone up here because it, it messes with the um with my audio box that you know runs my microphone so but it's charlie kirk so here we're going to talk about this so charlie kirk branded human garbage over damar hamlin remarks but you're not gonna you're not gonna realize why you're gonna think oh my gosh what hateful thing did he say about that poor bull bills player uh that was oh my god literally dropped dropped on the field and uh if there wasn't medical i mean if he wasn't immediate medical he would have died i mean literally he like died on the field and they were uh, performing cpr got his heartbeat back got him in the hospital he's in critical condition and so guys be playing for be praying for him um that was that was terrifying, folks, especially for all the people watching the game, for the players, for everybody. And, um, you know, we need to be praying for him right now. And uh, may the Lord um, heal him. And hopefully he is a Christian. But that's my prayer for him. That was that was terrible. That's terrible, guys. But anyway, this is what he said. I'm going to quote you the quote here real quick from what this is what Charlie Kirk said. He said on his tweet, this is a tragic and all too familiar sight right now. 
athletes dropping suddenly. That's all he wrote. That's all he put on his tweet. And folks, it's true. It is absolutely true. Do you ever remember a time in any time when players drop dead on fields? When newscasters drop dead while reporting the news? Where DJs drop dead in their booth? I mean, somebody tell me. No, it's never happened in history. Never. This is not normal. But folks, they want you to believe it's normal. But these are what the disgusting people said. This is what they said. So here we go. Outgoing Representative Adam Kinzinger, who was a Republican. I'm going to guess you 100 bucks. I'm going to bet you that he was a rhino in name only. He wasn't really a Republican. But anyway, thank God he's going out. Anyway, he said, Bash conservative activist Charlie Kirk for his comments seemingly fueling anti-vaccine conspiracy theories after football star DeMar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest during the first quarter of a match against the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday night. Hamlin received on-field medical attention for more than half an hour before being taken to a local hospital where he's now in critical condition according to a statement by the buffalo bills his heartbeat was restored on the field so in a tweet kurt claimed that the collapse of the 24 year old buffalo bills player fits in a series of recent incidents involving athletes dropping suddenly something he said has become an all too familiar sight right now and that is true guys he didn't say anything that was uh, despicable or uh, uh disrespectful or anything like that. he didn't say anything like that and then he goes, he goes, Kurt's comment, as many responding to his tweet picked up on and fuels the fears and concerns over the COVID-19 vaccinations, making people sick. A theory, they say a theory, uh, that anti-vaccine proponents in the U.S. and the rest of the world have been pushing forward for the past couple of years. Folks, it's true. It is true. Look around you. It is true. You know it. I know it. They know it. But they don't want you to know it. Anyway. Goes on to say, quote, you are absolutely the biggest piece of human garbage that can possibly exist right now. I literally think you are done now, Kinzinger wrote on Twitter. Using this tragedy for your BS lies is sick, unquote. Really? Really? This is really? Folks, you see how hateful these people are? They're, they're hateful. They're hateful. They are working for Satan and they are hateful, which means filled with hate. They're hateful. But then again, guys, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities. You got to remember that. So the representative who served, this is going to give you a big, big idea of who this guy is. The representative who served on the January 6th committee also attacked other conservatives making similar claims, including retired professional boxer Joey Gilbert. They call him a far-right political activist, Lauren Witzke, and right-wing media personality, Steve Peters. Mm, prior to 2021, athletes collapsing on the field was not a normal event. This is becoming an undeniable and extremely concerning pattern, Witzke wrote on Twitter, adding some syringe emojis. There have been too many recent died suddenly cases to deny it anymore. This is not normal, wrote Gilbert. Sharing a post collecting... Um, the messages of Kurtz, Whiskey, Gilbert, and um, Peters by attorney Ron Flipkowski, Kinzinger wrote, Sick, disgusting human beings. This isn't politics. This is straight up heartless, cold, and evil. Really? I dare to beg the question there, Mr. Kinzinger. It seems to me that the people who are heartless, cold, and evil are people like you who are in a position of power to try to figure out what was really going on and bring this stuff to light and to tell the truth about what's going on. But no, you're a coward. 
You were a coward and you didn't do anything about it and you fell for the lies. When all of this is going on in the world, you know this is not normal. But yet you attack the people who are trying to bring the truth to the people to tell them how dangerous the situation is. And because they love people and they care about people. But yet, but yet, Mr. Kinzinger, you're a coward and you attack them. So anyway, he goes on to say... um, uh, says Kirk, the founder of conservative youth activist organization Turning Point USA and its affiliate Turning Point Action, has been promoting vaccine resistance among youth trying to rally young people against getting vaccinated. Since 2021, Kirk has shared unverified reports of side effects allegedly caused by the COVID-19 vaccines, once saying that he wasn't anti-vaccine in general, but that he was against the mandating of the COVID-19 vaccine, unquote, folks. The truth is there. You can't say these are unverified reports. Yeah, they are. The judge ordered them unsealed from Pfizer. Remember, hello, McFly. Ding, 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 ding. But they don't want you to know that. Oh, no. You go to their own website, Bears, and it will tell you. I read, I've been, I did a whole YouTube, and they took that down. But I did find the video, and I think I posted it back up on my um, Rumble page. Anyway, folks, this is what's going on. This is it. So he said that he chose not to get vaccinated against COVID-19. Anyway, he goes, uh, in a video posted on Facebook in October 2022 titled Exposing What the Media Won't Tell You About COVID Vax Side Effects, Kirk claimed that the vaccines were developed too fast and were rushed into market without proper trials and checks. I beg to differ. I, I'm not going to say anything because they'll shut me down. But anyway, um, he also claimed that the COVID-19 vaccines have caused an unusual spike in vaccine adverse events in myocarditis and heart-related issues. Pfizer admits it. Finally, because they had to. So, yeah, that is true, folks. That is verifiable information from the manufacturer themselves. But they're going to say, no, it's not. Anyway, this claim, as well as the previous one about vaccines being developed too quickly, was labeled as misleading by health feedback on nonpartisan, nonprofit organizations dedicated to science education. Yeah, we all know that's not science. Science is the question. So the NFL game was suspended about an hour after Hamlin's collapse. Fans are waiting outside the hospital where the Buffalo player is recovering, holding candles and wishing Hamlin a speed recovery. And so Hamlin's representative, Jordy, or Jordan Rooney, wrote on Twitter that the player's vitals are back to normal and they have put him to sleep uh, to put a breathing tube down his throat. Yeah, that's, mm. They are currently running tests. Uh, we will provide updates as we have them, they said. So that update was as of January the 3rd, 2023, 9.50 a.m. Eastern Time, 8.30 my time, 8.50 my time. Guys, be in prayer uh, for Hamlin. You know, my biggest prayer is that he's a Christian. For God forbid if something happens and, you know, something happens during this whole whatever's going on. Mm. But as you can tell, the powers of B, they think they have powers. Maybe now, but not for long. Anyway, they're trying to tell everybody that we are hateful. And we are disgusting and we are heartless and cold and evil because we're trying to protect people and tell them the truth and save their lives possibly. But we are the ones that are cold, heartless and evil. I want you to look around the world today of all the people who have had the vaccines and tell me, did it save them from COVID? No. Did it save them from getting COVID bad? No. And who's dying more in the hospitals now than before? People who've had the vaccine. That's verifiable truth right there. And um, that's the sad thing about it. Why do you think they fought so hard to keep the truth? Why? Why do they fight so hard? Why? Because they're evil and they have a plan. There's a big plan. The depopulation plan. Remember? Gates said it himself in 2012. If we do a really good job on creating vaccines, you know, we'll kill more people. He said it. 
COVID-19, COVID-19, remember in October of 2019, they already had a plan, guys, event 201. And you know what they don't care? They do not care if you know their plan. Because they think most of the sheep out there are just drinking their Kool-Aid, playing more video games. Here, take your little monthly stopping that we give you. You know, you don't need to work. Here, just play these video games. Here, just, you know, here. Just keep here. Eat this meat that we manufactured in a in a in a you know in a, a manufacturing facility. Here, eat this meat that we created for you. You know, not not what God created, but what we made for you. Here, eat this. Yeah. Anyway, guys. Whoo! Gets my blood pumping. I tell you that much. So, let's go back up here. Let's go back to Rabbi Glick. So, let's check this out. On Tuesday morning, National Security Minister Itmar Ben-Gvir, or Atzma Yehud Party, ascended to the Temple Mount to commemorate the 10th of Tevet, the fast day commemorating the siege of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar that led to the destruction of the Temple. Former MK Rabbi Yehuda Glick um, asked whether this event may trigger Zechariah's prophecy. Well, I don't know. Let's see, shall we? That's going to be interesting. You never know. You never know what headlines are going to bring you, right? Okay, so. This is brought to you by Israel365news.com. Israel365news.com. So it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth month, the fast of the seventh month, and the fast of the tenth month shall become occasions for joy and gladness, happy festivals for the house of Yehuda. but you must love honesty and integrity. That is from Zechariah chapter 8 verses 19 from the Israel Bible, from the Israel Bible. This was posted by Adam Elihayu Berkowitz in Jerusalem. It is posted January the 3rd, 2023, which is probably yesterday for us. So, uh, here in the United States. So, anyway, or last night, actually. I think they're eight hours ahead of us. So, anyway, um, on Tuesday morning, National Security Minister Itmar Ben-Givar, the Atzma Yehudit Party, ascended to the Temple Mount to commemorate the 10th of Tevet, the fast day commemorating the siege of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar that led to the destruction of the Temple goes on to say it was ben Gvir's first ascent to the holy side since being sworn in as national security minister last week and marks the first time in five years that a sitting israeli minister visited the temple mount during his visit the entrance uh the entrance for the israelis to the temple mount was blocked and he goes on to say there's a video anyway he goes on to say um, our government will not surrender to threats from Hamas, Ben Gavir said at the conclusion of his visit. The Temple Mount is the most important place for the people of Israel. We maintain the freedom of movement for Muslims and Christians, but Jews also go up to the site. And those who make threats must be dealt with with an iron fist, he said. Last night, Ben Gavir held a situation assessment with the police commissioner and the Jerusalem district commander and met with the head of the Shin Bet, and they all determined that there is no obstacle obstacle for him to go up to the temple mount security officials who participated in the assessment of the situation also believed that capitulation in the face of threats would be a reward for terrorism and legitimize future actions against israel netanyahu reportedly spoke with ben gavir on monday and gave his approval to the visit with Likud, confirming that the prime minister did not object to the pilgrimage after consultations with security officials. Opposition head and former Prime Minister Yair Lapid, on the other hand, warned that if Ben-Gavir went to the Temple Mount, people would die. 
Quote, Ben Gavir must not go up to the Temple Mount. It is a deliberate provocation that will put lives in danger and cost lives, said Lapid. As weak as Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is, he must at least this time stand up and tell him, you are not going to the Temple Mount. People will die, he added, unquote. So MK's going up to the Temple Mount ministers don't, especially not the minister of charge of the National Security Ministry. Uh, Lapide added in a response to a reporter's questions. It will be viewed by the whole world as breaking the status quo, even if it's not. Financial Minister Bezael Smoltrick um, responded to Lapide's statement as a religious Zionism meeting on Monday, emphasizing that going up to the Temple Mount is a part of the status quo. So, uh, Labor MK Gilead Kharviv, or Kharviv, a rabbi from the Reform Movement warned that by ascending to the Temple Mount, Ben Gavir was promoting the same type of policies that led to the destruction of the Temple by the Babylonians. Particularly on the fast day of the 10th of Tibet, it is important to remember that the connection between political extremism, intoxication from power, and government corruption led to the destruction of the Temple. <laughs> Kariv said in a statement, standing up against this phenomena is essential to guaranteeing the future of Israel. The Palestinian Authority's foreign ministry on Tuesday condemned the visit, describing Ben Gavir's 13-minute tour of the site as unprecedented provocation. Netanyahu bears responsibility for this attack on Al-Aqsa, Al the PA said in a statement. Sorry about that, guys. So Hussein Al-Sheikh, the Secretary General of the Executive Committee of the Palestinian Liberation Organization, called for an internal response to the visit. So it says, uh, Ben Gavir's brazenness necessitates a Palestinian Arab and international response, he said. This is the first step of the government in his occupation policy. Guys, I don't know if I need to remind you guys or not, but this is Israel's territory. They won the war, the Six-Day War. They won all of it. Remember, it is theirs. They own it. They own it. And it's like they allow this to happen. And so by him going, there's nothing wrong with that. That is theirs. God, I mean... Go back to the Six-Day War, which is a miracle. It's a miracle. But you have these guys, and this whole thing has been going on and going on and going on over there. And so it's it's just, you know. Anyway, so it goes on to say, last night, Hamas spokesman, I can't pronounce that dude's name, Latif, will say, uh, released the following statement. Netanyahu's invasion of the Western Wall, which included Talmudic ceremonies, alongside Ben Gavir in the criminal announcing of his intention to invade the Alaska Mosque, um, expresses or express the arrogance of the fascist settler government and its intentions to further the raids on Alaska and divide it. These escalations in Alaska are like the fuse of an explosive device. The Zionist occupation government will bear the consequences, and our people will confront these acts of stupidity and provocations with bravery, uh, not allowing the occupation's plans to go through. Really? It is theirs to begin with. Anyway, former member of the, of the Knesset, Rabbi Yehuda Gick, and head of the Shalom Jerusalem Temple Mount organization praised Ben Gavir's actions. Today, the people of Israel marked the tenth of the month by fasting. Uh, Rabbi Glick said in a comment. Today, thousands of years later, our new ministers of national security ascend the Temple Mount, the heart of the sovereign state of Israel. And so, Rabbi Glick referred to a verse in the Book of Zechariah, which is Zechariah. Uh, 819 which i just read to you guys and so it says is this what we are seeing unfolding in front of our eyes rabbi glicks asked i am praying to hashem god almighty let it be 
Uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda Levi, co-founder of High on the Har and director of outreach for the Yeshivat Har Habayat, praised Ben Gavir's actions, saying it should be the rule and not the exception. He goes, it's about time that a minister of the Israeli government ascended to the Temple Mount. Rabbi Levi said, it is the holiest site in Judaism, and the fact that most ministers do not ascend and have never been to the site is a much more shocking story that should be in the news today. What Ben Gavir did was praiseworthy and should be the rule and not the exception. So it goes on to say a little bit more about that. Guys, I'm sorry I had a hard time stumbling through that article. Those names always get me. I always have a hard time pronouncing those names or at least attempting to pronounce those names. But anyway, so you kind of see what's going on over there. We always got to pay close attention to what's going on in Israel because they are like the second hand on God's prophetic timetable. You know, I always want to pay attention. Things are always going on over there. And so that's that's huge. So anyway, let's check this out. So this is an analysis. So this is Jewish Gog and Magog versus the Christian Gog and Magog. So Rabbi Pinchas Winston, a prolific end of day author and speaker, explained the Jewish perspective. One purpose of Gog and Magog is that when it is over, evil will be entirely defeated, he said. There will be no more evil in the world since Mount Sinai. The Jewish people have been rectifying certain things since creation he goes we are preparing the world so that it gets to the point where everyone says that they recognize the biblical god is one we never completed the task so god and magog is the final point where everything comes together so this is a jewish perspective versus the christian's perspective on gog and magog and you can find this at israeli 365 news.com and once again this is by adam berkowitz uh it's posted the second of january so we will go along right through that, and let's read this article, okay? So you can tell there's always a different perspective. So, it says, described in Ezekiel 30 and 39, the war of Gog and Magog is a concept shared by Judaism, Christianity, which refers to the end-of-day conflict in the New uh, Testament book of Revelation. And so I'm going to switch off my glasses here, guys, so I can see a little better. So the Christian perspective was clearly evident when televangelist Pat Robertson made a special appearance on the 700 Club in February of 2022 and declared the Russian President Vladimir Putin was being compelled by God to invade Ukraine in order to follow God's plan to instigate Armageddon. Citing the book of Ezekiel, Robertson stated that Putin's plan was to create a land bridge via Turkey in order to lead a multi nation army against israel so in jewish eschatology gog and magog lead a confederation of enemies to rise against israel the war will be devastating but the armies of gog and magog will ultimately be defeated by the king of israel ushering in the messianic era hmm rabbi pinches winston a prolific end of the author and speaker explained the jewish perspective he goes the war is like a final pre-messiah cleanup which is why we can mitigate it, uh, Rabbi Winston said. He goes, it depends on how effective we were until then in bringing people to the one God and doing misfoth. So one purpose of Gog and Magog is that when it is over, evil will be entirely defeated, he said. There will be no more evil in the world since Mount Sinai. The Jewish people have been rectifying certain things since creation. We are preparing the world so that it gets to the point where everyone says that they recognize the biblical God as one. We never completed the task as Gog and Magog is the final point where everything comes together, he says. 
Rabbi Winston emphasized that the final rectifications also include changes within the nation of Israel. He compared it to King David's battle against Goliath. Goliath comes from the world galut or exile, Rabbi Winston said. King David defeated Goliath and subsequently the Philistines, but the defeat had a huge impact on the Israelites. Many of the Jews who saw Goliath being defeated so dramatically had a sudden blinding revelation in faith in God. It was cataclysmic for them, unquote. The same is true of the War of Gog and Magog, Rabbi Winston said. It will bring many from the nations to believe in the one God, but there will also be many Jews who will be deeply shocked and suddenly believe in God. We saw that we saw this after the Six-Day War when even the secular Jews in Tel Aviv danced in the streets describing the military victory as the hand of God. Rabbi Winston related this to what was taught about Gog and Magog by the Polish rabbi Israel Mary Kagan, who passed away uh, in 1933 who revealed before he died that the war would be fought in three stages. The first stage Rabbi Kagan experienced in his lifetime was World War One, which began in 1914. Rabbi Winston believes that World War II is the second stage. This was so shocking to the nations that they declared Israel as a Jewish state, Rabbi Winston said. It was even more shocking for many Jews who, even though they didn't become religious, suddenly believed in the prophecies about God returning the exiles. The final stage of Gog and Magog will be so shocking to the nations that they will declare God as one. Ezekiel's description of the final war is horrifying, but Rabbi Winston explained that Jewish tradition related to this with equanimity. It depends on our merits, whether we have served God with the commandments faithfully, Rabbi Winston said. If we have not, then it will be horrible. He cited a parable from the 18th century, Moshim Lujato. It is, quote, it is like a king who gets angry at his son and sentences him to be stoned to death. The son repents, but the father cannot repeal or royal decree. So he orders the stones to be shattered into pieces before being thrown at his son. It is not pleasant, but the son does not suffer nearly as much. Unquote. Rabbi Winston suggested that as descendants of Esau, Christians emphasize the aspect of judgment to decree that Jews, as descendants of Jacob, do not. Esau was entirely red, uh, the color of judgment, which is why Isaac, who embodied judgment, favored him, Rabbi Winston said. <laughs> they are focused on heaven and hell as a result of a final judgment. They talk about Judgment Day as the culmination of the battle with Satan. They believe in apocalypse. Judaism does not believe in this level of judgment. Jews do not believe that God will ever judge the world and destroy it. So a different perspective was offered by John Inarsen, the Christian Relations Director of Cry for Zion. Inarsen also noted a difference in how Jews and Christians view this aspect of the end days. Christianity is using the same biblical scenario as Judaism for Gog and Magog, but I think we paint a more dire image, Inarsen said. For Christians, it is an apocalyptic nuclear holocaust, but Jews see past that and see the final redemption that comes after. Inarsen noticed that both religions base their eschatology in on the same biblical literature though they come to different conclusions well one because interject here because we know that jesus christ is the messiah and he's already come israel doesn't believe jews do not believe that they don't believe that jesus was the messiah anyway going on here so in arson noted that both religions base their eschatology on the same biblical literature though they come to different conclusions he goes i think the difference comes from christians trying to be very honest readers of the bible and arson said jews do too and the prophecies are disturbing any way you read them but as the ultimate judgment is more fearful for the nations than it is for israel we see gog and magog as god's judgment on the nations it is a also a judgment on israel but not a final judgment he also noted that according to the prophecies the final stage of the war will be 
fought in the Holy Land, making it a far more local concern for the Jewish people. In Christianity, we have the concept of the rapture, he explained. Some Christians believe that they will be raptured before the beginning of the Gog and Magog War. It makes speaking about the war a spectator sport. Pop media has adopted the Christian perspective of Gog and Magog, sensualizing, sensationalizing it, while at the same time remaining almost uninvolved in a direct way. Narson described a different approach for Christians that was depicted by Zechariah as being the aftermath of Gog and Magog for Israel-friendly nations. All who survive of all those nations that come up against Jerusalem shall make a pilgrimage year by year to bow low to the King Lord of Hosts and to the and to observe the festival of Sukkot, which is uh, Zechariah fourteen sixteen. Of course, that's Jesus. But ideally, the Christian perspective should be based on the survivors from the nations coming to celebrate Sukkot in Jerusalem with the Jews in Arsenzim. This should be the model guiding how they view Gog and Magog in the future, and also how they relate to Israel in the present. So that is, folks, not technically a Christian perspective that this guy said, who's um that they chose uh, this author chose to give the christian perspective uh i'm going to give you guys the christian perspective of the ezekiel 38 and 39 war and what i'm going to do is i'm going to grab my book and read it on my book to you guys uh, so you have a very clear understanding of what uh christians believe um about the premillennial christians believe on this okay so hang on just a second let me go grab my book okay so i'm just gonna start um, in chapter one. So chapter one, I have as the rebirth of Israel. And guys, this is from my book, The Last Days, uh, Remnant Believers in Paperback or uh, Remnant Believers on um, Kindle. So anyway, so that's what it says. The most significant sign that confirms we are indeed living in the last of the last days was none other than the rebirth of the nation of Israel. After 2,000 years, Israel became a nation again. Nothing like that has ever happened in history. You see, all the prophetic events during Christ's second coming are centered around Israel. And if Israel is not a nation, then these prophetic events cannot take place as foretold in Scripture. It says, but God revived and regathered them exactly like he said in Ezekiel 34, 13. He says, quote, I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the other from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel in the ravines and in the settlements and all the land. In fact, 740 years before Jesus was even born, the prophet Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 66 who has heard such a thing who has seen such things can a land be born in one day can a nation be brought forth all at once the NASB 1995 version is what I use there and so forever since the Lord Jesus ascended to heaven to sit on the right hand of the of God the Father in time events have prophesied Israel will be a nation once more then in 24 hours just as the Bible prophesied Israel was reborn on May 14th 1948 this is the most exciting fulfilled Bible prophecy since the birth and resurrection of our Messiah Jesus Christ why because it proves the Bible once again and gives us hope while living in the end times these last days prophecies could not be fulfilled unless there was a nation of Israel and I said take Cyrus Schofield for example, when he added notes in his reference Bible back in 1909, he said that Russia would invade Israel in the last days. But at that time, people thought he was crazy. Ru Russia was an Orthodox Christian nation and Israel was not even a nation. It would be another 39 years before United States President Harry S. Truman would be the first to recognize that Israel was reborn. He proudly proclaimed, quote, I believe it has a glorious future before it, not just another sovereign nation, but as an embodiment of the great ideals of our civilization, unquote. 
The prophecy that Mr. Schofield was referring to was that of Ezekiel 38. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Russia, Meshach, and Tubal, in prophecy against him, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I'm against you, O Gog, the prince of Rush, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and lead you out with all your armies, horses, and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them. All of them will shield in all of them with shield and helmet. Gomar and all his troops, the house of Togomara, uh, the house of Togarma, from the north, and is and all his troops. Many people are with you. That's Ezekiel thirty-eight through one through six. It says the prophecy continues to speak about the nations that will make war with Israel in the end times. Let's take a moment to identify the current nations discussed in this prophecy. Gog is not a nation, but was the ruler of the land of Magog. And according to Dr. David Jeremiah in his study Bible, he explains that Magog is the region on which the map tells us the stand countries exist today. The states of the former Soviet Union or Empire. Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, and perhaps Afghanistan. The people of Rosh are considered Russia, and Tubal and Meshach are widely accepted as regions of modern-day Turkey. Persia, which is now Iran, and Ethiopia and Put, which is modern-day Libya and Kush, which is Sudan, all form a coalition to invade Israel. By studying the map, which I have the map here, uh, you can understand why God will intervene, because if he does not, Israel would not stand a chance. So what makes this prophecy even more remarkable is that in 2020, with the assistance of President Donald Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, a peace agreement was made with Middle East countries. This agreement advances the alignment of the nations that will make war with Israel and those that will protest this war. This gathering of nations has never happened in history. Says, for example, take a close look at Russia and Syria, and I go on to talk about that, and of course Daniel nine twenty seven, and explain all of that. And uh, what we believe is, um, you know, the Ezekiel uh, thirty eight thirty nine war is that um, these nations will come against will come against Israel. But if you read your Bible, God is the one who intervenes. God is the one who destroys those nations. In Israel, probably didn't have to lift a finger. And so, and that's when it says the whole world will know that God Almighty did that. But does that turn the whole world to God? No, absolutely not. We would pray so. But we hope at that point in time that Israel realizes right then, you know, oh, and it turns them back to God. Like, oh, oh, back to God. But they don't realize that Jesus Christ is the true Messiah until three and a half years into the Great Tribulation. That's when they realize, oh, you know, but the Antichrist comes on the scene, signs that, you know, peace agreement and all this stuff happens. And they think, oh, that's, that's our Messiah. But he's not. He is the Antichrist. But they don't know that until three and a half years into the tribulation when he desecrates the temple and the abomination of desolation. And then they realize, whoa. And then they run to the hills, which is Petra. Anyway, but guys, I have run out of time once again. <laughs> I guess I just talk a little long in the morning. I start a little earlier in the morning, I guess. But so that perspective by whoever they got uh, was not really the entire Christian's perspective. But I did want to read it to you because I didn't wasn't real for sure what the uh, uh, Jewish perspective was. So now we kind of have a little better idea about that. Um, but it's kind of like by works, you know. And and Jesus kept telling us, "It's not by works. It's not by works. It's not by works. It's by faith. It's by faith and the grace." of uh jesus right so faith in christ and by the grace of god 
not by works lest anyone should boast is what the apostle paul tells us so anyway so guys there's a lot more going on in the news today but unfortunately i ran out of time but i will be back on tonight um to finish uh this report so i am going to upload this and then i'm going to go back and talk to you guys about one of the more important things that i talked about earlier the humanity is not sustainable network airs apocalyptic predictions to ring in the new year if you guys watch the news after the football game you probably saw this and so i want to take my time and be able to um report on this and uh you know you know, talk about this a little bit more in depth that I don't want to be rushed. And so I'm on my way to work. And uh, But as soon as I get home later on tonight, it'll be a little later on tonight. But I will, uh, good Lord willing, get that part of the episode up. So this will be part one. And part two will be either later on tonight. And I may record it later on tonight. I may put it up tomorrow morning. I'm not sure. Hopefully I can get it out tomorrow night or tonight. So, But either way, it'll be tonight or tomorrow. So um, with that, guys, I've got to get off here really do on my way to work and um i hope you guys have a fantastic day thank you guys so much for listening and really you know stay in the word of god get in the word of god let the word of god get into you you know what i mean because these are the days that i'm talking to myself too you know i'm already behind on my reading plan here but i will get caught up shortly and so uh gives me a little bit of time to you know my thing is when i read the word of god i'm like i'm studying it you know and i've got to remember you can study but then you can read too so my thing is I always read like I want to do all the research around it like what's that mean and what does that mean in this and like what was the culture you know and I gotta remember when I'm reading through the Bible you, you know you do that but you can choose parts to study I thought that's wrong but you know that's just me that's how my brain works you know um ADD which is really hard you guys know me can you imagine Whew, it's hard for me to sit down and do anything but the older I get the easier it's starting to get to to sit down a little bit and kind of you know relax a bit um but hope but but you know uh my schedule has changed and it had some more hours thank god so but that's okay um i still have my two days off praise the lord no more doubles so i'm you know getting back into the swing of things and hopefully be able to get a podcast up every day and uh just see what things are going on and you know if there aren't a lot of news headlines you know i can always come on we can do like some bible study i do that occasionally do throw, throw up some bible studies up there um just kind of check it out if you guys um i'm gonna grab this really quick if you guys um like chuck swindoll and i do i like chuck swindoll it's called perfect trust it's uh he's got a book what's well, not it's kind of like a devotional type thing and this is ears to hears hearts to trust and minds to rest in him and it's uh it's very good uh it gives you a little peaceful stuff to look at like today it says uh, God is never at a loss to know what he's going to do in our situations. He knows perfectly well what is best for us. Our problem is we don't know. He goes on to say, uh, there is no impossible situation that God cannot handle. He won't handle it necessarily your way, but he'll handle it. And isn't that the truth? So it says, that was the beginning. It says, give me a heart to trust. If you guys haven't listened to Chuck Swindoll, you should. It's, um... Oh my goodness. Um, Insights for Living. That is his uh, online ministry or his ministry is Insights for Living. But he's, yeah, he's, he pastors a large church. So it says, give me a heart to trust. And so that's what we need to learn today. And it's hard, isn't it? It's hard, especially as a new, I think as a new Christian, it's easier to trust than it is 
Um, and it should be even easier for us older Christians because we can look back and see at all the things that God has done for us and pulled us out of and miraculous situations he saved us from. And, you know, like I remember, I'll give you guys this really quick. I remember um, one year, um, I, like money was tight and I, you know, I'd converted my house to electricity the year before when I had my house. And, um, you know, all of a sudden I, I got this electricity bill and it was outrageous and I was like there's no way I can pay this electricity bill and I was like oh my gosh I don't know what I'm gonna do and you know I got prayed about it I trusted I'm like well you know God will God will take care of it I'm like I don't know what I'm gonna take a loan like what am I gonna do and the next thing you know the very next day in the mail I got 13 bills in the mail from the, the, the electric company I'm like oh my gosh this cannot be good well I started opening every one of them and they had discounted my electricity bill and discounted, discounted, discounted. It was like a $600 bill. And this is like, you know, a long time ago. This was like 15 years ago. That was a lot of money back then for a power bill. And I kept going and every one of them was discounted. The very last bill they sent was $35 and some odd cents. I'm like, are you kidding me? Well, what happened? Well, I had converted my house to, to electricity. Uh, they didn't give me, I guess, the incentives or whatever they were supposed to discount my, my bill, change my, my kilowatt rating. And I guess they didn't do that. And all of a sudden, boom they took it all off and sent me 13 different bills and i was like wow i was like all right and so i paid the 35 dollars of whatever it was and you know but they still came out and they cut my power off anyway i got off work and my power was cut off and it was february and it was cold and of course my house is all electric you know and uh, i was like what and so i called the power company and i was like what's going on i paid my bill what happened and um they said oh um well you know we went ahead and cut your power off and you're going to need to call an electrician. I'm like, what? And they said, well, you know, you've got a problem uh, with your meter and it's a, a hazard or something. We can't turn your power back on. You're going to call an electrician. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so I was like, oh, man. So I'm looking through the yellow pages. And, you know, this is you know, a long time ago. And I was like, I was trying to find uh, an electrician. Like, I'm like, can you imagine an electrician coming out at 8 o'clock at night on the weekend? You know what I mean? It was a Friday I was like, oh, man. And so I ended up on, if you guys live in Amarillo, Texas, American Electric. Call American Electric. Um, anyway, now that's where I live, American Electric. I called him. The guy came out that night at 9 o'clock, and he pulled the thing, and he goes, yeah. He goes, you do have a, it's, it's he goes, your house could have burned down if they didn't, if they didn't turn your electricity off. I said, are you kidding me? And he says, yep. So apparently something rather he kind of showed me and he goes it had like a hair of like just literally a hair and if it would have gone through that i mean he said sparks have been shooting off your house like the fourth of july he goes i've seen it happen i'm like Are you? wow he goes yeah he even said god was watching out for you and i was like wow i think my house could have caught on fire that night and so what he did was he went ahead and um he had to cut off my one my 220 but he able he was able to hook the 110 back up so i could at least have heat you know i got a space heater or something that night he came out the next day on saturday because they had to order had to get the parts and they had to come back out they fixed everything on on my lunch hour i came by they swung by my lunch they fixed everything and then i was like what and i was like god this is going to cost me a fortune he goes no he goes my boss is really cool and i was like all right so i got the bill in the mail at the end of the month 190 bucks that was it. $190 is all they charged me to come out twice and to fix that. I was like, wow. But I'm telling you, God works in ways that we don't see. Right? We don't see. Like, I thought, man, they cut my power off. It's freezing colors. I was like, and after the miracle of them, you know, the bill before, I was like, what? But in that whole, that whole chain of events saved my house from burning down with me and my animals in it. So thank God that that happened but sometimes like i say we don't we don't see what's going on in the background but god knows 
God knows he's got a plan. He's watching out for us, and he knows what's best for us. So anyway, hope it gives some people a little bit of encouragement today. But anyway, guys, like always, got to say at least bye twice, at least twice in Texas. So anyway, guys, I'm going to get off here. I'm going to head to work. I hope you guys have a fabulous day. I hope you guys um, are enjoying today, spending some time with the Lord today, telling people about Jesus today and uh just trusting in the lord that's a, that's that should be our that should be our whole thing this year is just to trust in the lord perfect trust perfect peace uh and i pray you guys have that this year so anyway with that i'm really gonna get off of here all right guys um get in the word of god let the word of god get into you and maranatha lord jesus maranatha thank you guys so much for listening may god bless each and every one of you thank you so much <laughs>